G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As you know, the debate is well underway ahead of a national referendum later this year on whether Australians will recognise an Indigenous voice to the Parliament. The Yes case has received wide publicity, while the No case has been mired by the fact that there's very little detail about how an Indigenous voice to the Parliament would work in practice. Well, we're talking to Christian Aboriginal leaders today, recognising that even within the Aboriginal community across Australia, there is going to be a diverse range of opinions. An important dimension to explore today, given the substantially large numbers of Indigenous Australians who align themselves with Christianity. Two very special guests to uh, to welcome to the studio today, Auntie Jean Phillips from southern Queensland, from Sherberg. Uh, she was an AIM missionary. She is an Indigenous Australian elder and a senior Aboriginal Christian leader for over 60 years. That's right, 60 years. And Brooke Prentice, also a, she's a Waka Waka woman. A writer and speaker who is CEO of Common Grace with a network of over 45,000 members. Uh, More to say about Brooke as we go on. But uh, Auntie Jean Phillips, a special welcome along to you to 2020. Thank you very much. And to you, Brooke Prentice, uh, welcome back to you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. Auntie Jean, let me come to you first. There is a diverse range of views across Aboriginal communities, something like 300 uh, tribal groups right around Australia. Uh, How have you been uh, feeling the mood, hearing what other Aboriginal leaders are saying around the voice? I... um I'm probably like a lot of the other Aboriginal folk, just in being very careful and sensitive. Uh, I'm trying not to make too many statements because I'd like to know more about it and how is it going to work. And I'm thinking, I know it's going to be associated with the governments and um, I really believe, look, that we've had years and years and years of living under government policies. And I'm thinking, what is going to change for us? I think listeners will be able to hear a little bit of cynicism there. And what a privilege it is to have you with 60 years of ministry, Christian leadership experience in Aboriginal communities. You've seen governments come, governments go, ideologies rise, ideologies fall. And I think there's a certain cynicism uh, that says, well, you actually do want to know how this is going to work in a little more detail. Well, 
being in, in ministry all of these years, and I love my ministry, it's very diverse, but I've worked in many, many areas in various parts of particularly East, Eastern Australia, and I've seen the needs around our community. But I feel as one of the Lord's representative, there is only one answer. But I'm also concerned, where is the churches in all of this? I mean, governments can, um, can only do so much. And government cannot change all of our hearts. But it's through the gospel of Christ and the cross that's made the difference. But where are we as Christians, whether we're Aboriginal Christians, non-Aboriginal Christians, what have we been doing? Well, I hear very little from Christian groups, well, especially around Brisbane just now. Very few are gathering people together. I don't want to be cynical. But I haven't heard of many seminars where myself and a group of young women that's working with me, non-Aboriginal women, we've been running seminars. We've got one on the Gold Coast this Saturday in trying to build bridges with the wider Christian church to get to know us. The sad thing, most Australians have never met an Aboriginal person. They know very little about Aboriginal people. They know very little about supporting Aboriginal ministry. Most of our ministries around the country, all around the country, very, very poorly supported. And while the Lord's work everywhere needs to be supported and encouraged and prayed for, I must say I've been very disappointed with this nation because they really have not come on board with our ministries. And yet, You'll hear in the media what's being said about our young people, about what's happening in the territory. Where are we, and I'm saying we, as Christians, working together? Wonderful wisdom in asking the question, where is the church in all of these challenges? Brooke Prentice, uh, at the helm there of Common Grace, a lot of followers a lot of people who are looking for leadership from Christian Aboriginal leaders, they might be wondering too what's happening with all of the major denominations and support for or at least giving some air to views around what this means for the Aboriginal people. Your thoughts here? Yeah, well, firstly, um, I'm the former CEO of Common Grace, so I left about 12 months ago. Uh, but my role as an Aboriginal Christian leader has never changed. Um, I became an Aboriginal pastor uh, 11 years ago now, and uh, still the importance of our ministries in communities, just as um, Auntie Jean has very much said. But often for us as Aboriginal Christian leaders, that ministry is often done voluntarily. I guess when it comes to the the voice uh, to Parliament, uh, we must always remember the words of the statement from the heart. And so if people are asking, where's the detail? My actual challenge back to them is, have they actually read the words of the statement from the heart? Because I was in a big church on Sunday um, as uh, a guest in the church, a non-Indigenous church, three services. So uh, probably in excess 
probably nearly 500 people across those church services and about five had read the statement from the heart. So these are all non-Indigenous people. And so those words written back in 2017, which not just called for a voice, but voice, treaty and truth, uh, internationally recognised treaty and treaties and a national truth-telling commission, they're all very important. Uh, and my work, um, I've just got on and uh, I'm running my own seminars called Listening and Responding to the Statement from the Heart, trying to get Christians ready for a referendum. It's not actually to tell you how to vote. It's just to make sure you're equipped with the information. And there is lots and lots of information out there. Uh, but also I do feel that uh, us as Aboriginal peoples, there hasn't been enough work done with us uh, to actually listen to our diversity of voices, which is now where we see, sadly, the media playing a part uh, in trying to tell non-Indigenous people what it is. But I'm asking Christians to go back to those words of the statement from the heart written in 2017, read them out loud and actually listen with your heart as you prepare to vote in a referendum. Now, I haven't got the statement in front of me, but I have read through it. And it's only a one-page document. That's right. So for anyone who thinks, if I'm going to read the statement from the heart, I've got to read you know, volume after volume uh, to try and understand. No, it's a very uh, succinctly put statement from the heart. And uh, Auntie Jean, is this something that's been a part of the way you are communicating about the issues around Aboriginal people and the voice, the statement of the heart. How does that actually form a foundation for you in in communicating what it is to be Aboriginal and how you want to see the future uh, outplayed according to the sentiments that are in that statement? Well, I think that with, not only with myself, but uh, with a lot of our people, um, as Brooke was, was just saying, a lot of our folk are not really informed with it because some of them have very difficulty in, in reading it, but they're, but they're trying their best. And um, I must come back to this. While it's, it's a challenge to us in a statement, but... I still come back to the Christian gospel. That that's where changes is going to be made. Now I don't expect the governments or the people who'll be working with them when it's eventually being created that they're going to make all the changes and things better. I'm sure that's they would try. But some of us are getting older. And we know what it is to have had a very difficult life in this country. I think that all people, whether Christians or non-Christians, they really need to look at the true history of this country. And we're not really talking about that either. Where Aboriginal people were taken off their land, forcibly taken over their lands, put on reserves. And it's been another life living on those reserves they're not living on those reserves. And one just has to look at the whole history. What's happened with our folks, with health, with prisons, all of these things have been associated with Aboriginal people. And it's been sad. And uh, uh, one of the things that really causes me real concern, 
that the poverty with our people, there's lots of statements being made, Aboriginal people get all of this money. Well, you come and live in our community and find out if that is true or not. And if money is given out, who is it given to? There's rumours going around that different, even some church groups, and I stand to be corrected, as well as other groups who could be getting that money. But you go and live in our communities and where our people are living, they do not have that. There are some books that we've been reading about stolen wages. Our people have worked, have never have had their money back. Our people have never been able to buy themselves a house. And they're, um, and not only to do with housing, but high unemployment. And from this radio station where we are now, just across the road, is Logan. And that's another part of our city where poverty is just so real. And all of those issues have to be addressed. And I keep on thinking, are we going to address it? by the end of the year or the coming years. And that's where I like to think that the Christian churches will get to know us. We've been trying to run some seminars, and as Brooke said, that's what she's been doing in Sydney. We're trying to do it here in Brisbane. And so far, some of the meetings we have have been very, very good. But we'd like to see more Christians come together, sit down and talk with us so we could look at all of these and maybe if the Christian, with the government is going to be doing this and this and this, what we're doing as Christians, as Christian leaders, Christians in ministries, how many Aboriginal people attend churches in our cities all around this country? I try to visit as many churches as I can. You never see Aboriginal person. I'm the only one that turns up. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. We're talking about the referendum that's coming later this year around The Voice. Uh, Two very special guests, senior Aboriginal leaders, Auntie Jean Phillips from Southern Queensland, Brooke Prentice, uh, one of the Waka Waka women, a writer, a speaker, former CEO of Common Grace, huge network of Christian Aboriginal Australians, something like 45,000 people in that network. I want to ask, because we're talking about The Voice, and I'll come to you, Brooke Prentice, uh, we've got this discussion around The Voice, Inadequate as it may seem, we've been talking about the Uluru Statement from the Heart. Uh, Within that statement, there's more than just the voice. There's also some other elements, treaty and truth-telling. Give us an impression here. uh, Enlarge us a little on just where the whole focus might come from, understanding that statement from the heart. Yeah, so it's to... uh the same from the heart, if people read it uh, and listen with their hearts, I think is really important. And at the bottom of that statement, it says it invites you into a movement of the Australian people. Um, and I think there's some beautiful words in the statement from the heart, uh, but it has these three central calls, and that is for a voice to parliament, um, a treaty and treaties, and a national truth-telling commission. And for us here as Christians and those who are listening who are Christians, 
Oh, I hope that people are looking for, I always say that Jesus has been waiting over 250 years for this relationship between Aboriginal peoples of over 300 nations, Torres Strait Islander peoples of over 100 islands, of which 20 are lived upon, and then non-Indigenous peoples of all cultures uh, to actually come together in relationship and true healing. The three central calls of the statement from the heart, I think, can bring that healing and that resetting for us as a nation, the maturity for us as a nation. There are, we're the only Commonwealth country without a treaty with Indigenous peoples. There are international models to look at. But when we bring it back to um, uh, Jesus' commandment to love our neighbour as ourselves, to love your Aboriginal neighbour, I think when you look over the last 250 years as we listen to Auntie Jean Phillips uh, talking about the real needs in our communities, the poverty, the injustice, um, the racism that exists, and as the great Uncle Jack Charles who passed away last year said, Aboriginal people suffer a peculiar type of racism. If you don't know that, I don't know why you don't know that. But the housing needs, the education needs, the employment needs – Those can't just be solved with a voice to parliament. Uh, We need voice, treaty and truth telling. And then we need our ministries, Aboriginal ministries supported uh, and Aboriginal people loved instead of judged in this country. And we also need to remember that the statement from the heart uh, is a culmination of decades of Aboriginal voices. You know, I always think about, I was eight years old in 1988 with the Barunga Statement that called for treaty. And the then Prime Minister, Bob Hawke, he promised us a treaty. And then in 1991, when Yothu Yindi was singing about treaty, they were talking about that. The beginning of treaty is the song, uh, we heard it on the radio, we saw it on the television back in 1988. We've never forgotten these things. And yet through all of that injustice, Aboriginal people are still holding out our hand and saying, come on the journey with us. We're a great people to get to know. We are people created in God's image. We always have been. But for a long time, and sometimes it feels like today, even Christians are not treating us that way as created in God's image. And so let's listen to each other's hearts uh, to actually... Uh, come together, listen to the diversity of voices of Aboriginal peoples, but love us and let's bring all together, all peoples of all cultures, of all generations in these lands now called Australia. Bring us together at the foot of the cross with the uh, what Jesus commands us, to love our neighbour as ourself and let's see true healing. Perhaps the three calls of the statement from the heart will put us on a good path for that. And we must remember that this government, it was their First Nations policy going into the election for all three. They committed to voice, treaty and truth. And what we need from our non-Indigenous Christian brothers and sisters and non-Indigenous Australians is, okay, if we get the voice, if that goes through with a successful referendum, if the government then doesn't listen to the voice, we've already heard the Prime Minister say it would be subservient to the Parliament, which was very... Um, heartbreaking. I think those words for a lot of Aboriginal people, how it works in practice um, will be another thing. But if they don't listen to the voice uh, and they're not listening to our Aboriginal voices now, then we need non-Indigenous Christian brothers and sisters to hold the government to account. Um, And then uh, uh, also uh, that we help to see treaty and truth-telling come because That's actually how you bring all Aboriginal people together for voice, treaty and truth. Uh, That's the way to bring us together in our diversity 
uh, for all three calls. We're just a couple of minutes out from news, uh, but a quick response from you, Artie Jean, and this is uh, this needs more, and we might have to come back to it after news. When we talk about the voice to the parliament, uh, talking about treaties, uh, talking about the truth-telling, and that perhaps is a little separate to a treaty and the voice, because some will see that as a divisive thing, something that divides a nation rather than unites. Do you have to have some level of confrontation and division in order to actually uh, blossom a new unity? Um, I don't think so. I think, you know, with prayer, especially with the the um, those of us who belong to the Lord who are Christians, um, if we try to explain or try to get our message across to non-Aboriginal people, I think like just sitting down and meeting each other and having a discussion and a talk about these issues. See, the sad thing in this country is that most Australians have never ever met an Aboriginal person, never ever spoken to them. And a lot of these people are Christians and it's, it's been sad that we don't know each other because how can we move forward with those three issues if we really don't know about the cross because it's at the cross. Just before the news, ladies, we were beginning to discuss the possibility of division coming when you actually have a voice to the parliament Uh, or a treaty that may well develop beyond that, uh, and the truth-telling. I'll come back to you, Brooke Prentice, because some people will be fearful that anything that divides the community may be a bad thing. What are your thoughts, and how can you compare this to some things that have happened around the world? Yeah, I think, uh, importantly, when we look at to examples around the world. So say if we uh, take South Africa and after apartheid, their Truth and Reconciliation Commission, it didn't divide the nation, it brought them together. If we look at the treaties with Indigenous peoples in uh, Aotearoa, New Zealand, uh, in the United States of America and Canada, they haven't divided people, they've brought people together. And uh, I think that's what we need to look at at more of and that it's not Aboriginal people creating the division uh, and we've never created it, sadly. And this is where we have to uh, actually acknowledge the true history of these lands now called Australia. That division came with a man named Cook in 1770 and a man named Arthur Phillip in 1788. Uh, and, you know, there's so many examples. I read all the original journals of Aboriginal people trying to uh, be friendly uh, because that's part of our cultural values of hospitality and generosity. Sadly, that was taken advantage of and we see ourselves where we are today. Uh, but... Um, uh, these things can bring us together. And so uh, also as Christians, you know, Arnie Jean's already mentioned about prayer. When we don't know what we should do, don't look to the the big newspapers and how they're representing what the voice to parliament is. Uh, actually pray about these things and hear the heart of Aboriginal people um, actually listen deeply uh, to our calls to bring us together as a nation, but that has to be with uh, recognising Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the world's oldest living continuing cultures.
We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. I think I've got an anonymous caller online. Uh, hello, welcome along. Hello. Um, welcome along. What, uh, what are your thoughts? My thoughts? Um, the Indigenous Voice Department, I've had a number of issues with it. The chief among them being the, the overt racism in it, not so much against the white people, I find that normal now, but against the indigenous people. It implies, by giving you extra representation, it implies that as a people, as a culture, you are, you are too weak to do it yourself. You need the, the big white man government to come in and save you. And then because it's enshrined in the Constitution, it implies that you will never be uh, empowered enough as a people to be able to keep up with the rest of the world. Uh, Brendan, good thoughts in that. Uh, Let me come to to Brooke Prentice. Brooke, uh, your thoughts for Brendan here. Yeah, so uh, I guess, uh, Brendan, um, thank you so much for voicing um, your thoughts, and that's really important, and I guess we just uh, hope more Aboriginal voices are, are heard and listened to and enacted upon. Um, I guess it's an appeal to you, and Arnie Jean's uh, kind of said it this morning, about what life is actually like for Aboriginal peoples. Uh, I think um, it saddens me that people are thinking that there's racism in the voice to parliament, uh, both ways as you've kind of articulated, Brendan, because that's not what I see. We are only 3%, 3.2% of the Australian population. And when you actually walk a day in our shoes... Uh, you know, I, I've got an amazing education behind me, a Bachelor of Commerce, Bachelor of Arts, a chartered accountant, trained company director. But when I try to ring up a member of parliament and ask to talk about my peoples, uh, about Aboriginal peoples and the injustices, the poverty, uh, with solutions, I can come with solutions and many of us have, we can't even get past the receptionist to meet with our local members. And so that's the reality. When you're only 3.2% of the population, our current elected representatives, they don't have a need to actually meet with you. And so that's part of the problem with the systems we have in place. And that could be a positive out of the voice to parliament. Uh, And I'm not telling people how to vote, but I'm just explaining that could be a positive of the voice to parliament because the current systems aren't working. Uh, You know, if you look at the reality of the lack of closing the gap, We've had 15 years of closing the gap fail. But the reality for us is that um, our people are dying too young and too often. Over the last four weeks, the amount of Aboriginal funerals uh, that I've um, been to uh, is more than on two hands, the fingers on two hands. And we need things made differently. And I guess I hope people hear our appeals as Christians. Jesus was with the sick and the prisoner. He calls us to that. The child, our precious little children. Um, please remember all of us. And, and we need caring, um, Jesus-driven solutions, not ones that um, create further division, um, further injustice, uh, and those sorts of things. So... Uh, And that's whether there's a yes vote or a no vote. Uh, Those things, we take those things and we say that ought to be the norm. Thank you so much to that caller. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Carol is in Cairns. Hello, Carol. Welcome along. Oh, hello. 
Carol, what are your um, thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm an Aboriginal Christian, and and I have been for 35 years. I'm I'm concerned because I don't know what it means for me as a Christian Aboriginal who believes wholeheartedly in Jesus and in the Bible. My whole life since I became a Christian has is on the is in the Bible, and I've brought all my you know my children. My I've got great grandchildren, great grandchildren now, and I'm they're coming to church too, and I'm teaching them about Jesus and who He is because. Um, for me, I believe not only us as Aboriginal people, the whole nation, world needs Jesus and needs to come back to Jesus because he's the only one who can heal us and save us. And I'm talking from a background of coming from abuse as a child who Jesus was the only one who healed me and changed my entire life and gave me a future and broke that abuse and poverty in my life and now in my children's life and in my grandchildren and now my great-grandchildren. And now I don't want, you know, like if we talk about a treaty, what does that mean for me? I don't want to see my children, you know, is this taking us back? In How much of Aboriginal culture is going to have, have control of our lives? Because I've come out of Aboriginal, I've never grown up in Aboriginal culture. And even though I I'm accept who I am as an Aboriginal and accept my heritage, and I am learning about it as an Aboriginal, and, I'm try- and I am teaching my children and my grandchildren who they are as Aboriginal people in our area and all that area, and, you know, and the history of our nation. But... I'm still I'm concerned because there's that there was so much abuse in my life as a child. Hey, Carol, let me just that cut I'm, in here and we'll get a thought or two from Auntie Jean Phillips because uh, she is a senior uh, Aboriginal Christian leader and uh, the sorts of sentiments you're reflecting there. What does it mean to be Christian and Aboriginal? Uh, what sort of answers does it have when you are a person of faith in Christ? Auntie Jean, your thoughts here for Carol? Well, look, there are many Christians all around the country, Aboriginal Christians, who perhaps have had the same experiences Carol has had. But then many of us have been brought up in different areas. Some of us have been brought up on reserves, and those reserves have been very, very strict. And there are a number of those reserves here in, in, in Queensland. It has affected the lives of our folks. But some of those uh, people have also come to know Christ, but they've been able to serve him. And in spite of all the things that we're saying, Carol, they've been able to serve the Lord. And many of those people eventually went into ministries all around the country. And But the sad thing that some of those people are not with us today because the Lord has taken them home. And so our folk, and a lot of it depends upon the teachings that we've had from missionaries and from clergy. And I've been looking at and thinking a lot, and I've sat on Christian boards in this country. And when I see people of other races who've come into this nation or who've had um, Christian ministries from Australian people, teaching them 
sad to say, a lot of those issues have never been taught to our people. They just said, you know, you become a Christian and then you walk alone. And that's been very, very difficult for a lot of our folk. And I'm finding it today, as I travel around, especially with young people, they say, become a Christian, but where do you go from there? Who, how many people have been in Bible colleges in our country? How many Aboriginal people have trained? The Reverend Graham Paulson, the very first Aboriginal pastor in, in this country, Baptist minister, he's a very sick man today. Why haven't we had more than one? And I'm not knocking the Baptists for that, but there's one. But there are others who have come later. But there have been very few. If you look at every denomination in this country and ask how many Aboriginal people have you trained to the different denominations, it hasn't been very good, sad to say. And the mission field remains for Aboriginal Australia. I mentioned uh, something like 300 tribal groups. Uh, Some of us might be able to celebrate the thought that there is a Creole Aboriginal Bible, uh, Creole being the trade language of Aboriginal tribal languages. Mm. And and there are all sorts of translation uh, programs that are going on uh, for various uh, larger Aboriginal tribal groups. There are some uh, some wonderful things that have happened. But yes, Australia has a, an incredible mission field. And mm-hmm. yes, uh, the churches perhaps falling short in not developing those Aboriginal leaders uh, because all of a sudden we've got the voice coming on and there will be activist Aboriginal leaders who have no thought for Christian faith who mm-hmm. may well want to take Aboriginal people in a direction that Christian Aboriginal people don't want to go. Let me bring you here, uh, Brooke, because we mentioned there's diverse opinions in Aboriginal communities. How important is it that somehow or other Christian leaders have a place in any voice that might eventuate? Oh, it's very important. And I I guess that's, um, uh, you know, we look at... um, we know the Aboriginal Christian leaders and the non-Indigenous uh, pastors and ministers of different denominations who are in good relationship with us. And sadly, when I see the governments uh, sit down to address any of our issues, um, if we look at like this recent trip to Alice Springs, uh, I watched that footage and I said, you don't have the Christian leaders, either Aboriginal or non-Aboriginal, sitting at the table. So you're never going to have a holistic Uh, approach to the issue. And as Aboriginal Christian leaders, we're often at the forefront of um, uh, the poverty, the injustice, uh, our young people and our adults going to prison. Uh, And so, and we're often there praying with families and organizing funerals, um, uh, not myself, but many other senior Aboriginal Christian leaders. Uh, And so we need to be at the table. When we look at the voice to parliament, tell me who are the Aboriginal Christian leaders that are at these big conventions and sitting at the table? Uh, I I don't know them. Um, They haven't been identified. I hope that the government, the parliament, and, and that's what we need to be careful about with a referendum. It should be the parliament. It's about all of us as Australian peoples. It's not just a government thing. So I think that's quite an important point for people to start to think about. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I hope that they realise, you know, the 2016 census uh, said that 54% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people identified as Christian. So it's an important part of our lives. Um, and whether our people in community are Christian or non-Christian, 
they know us as the Aboriginal Christian leaders and seek us out at various times and often at big rallies and marches. Uh, Aboriginal Christian leaders can be asked to pray, um, even if the people leading are not Christian. Like There's a respect for us as Christians. But I think we need to be careful into the future because if the Australian church doesn't support us as Aboriginal Christian leaders, then I think many of our mob ask the question, well, what's the point? And, you know, I'm so grateful for Carol and her witness with her family, her children and grandchildren, and just encourage her in that. But I would love to see more Aboriginal churches and ministries fully funded um, by Australian Christians and the Australian church with Aboriginal Christian leaders leading those ministries. Carol in Alumba in Cairns, thank you so much for great contribution to our conversation. And uh, time is running short. Let's just take one more call. Peter is on the line. Hi, Peter. Welcome. Yeah, hello. And and good morning to you. Thank you for this conversation. It's, it's a huge conversation. And thanks to Auntie Jean Phillips and Brooke for your, your comments. I'd just like to reflect where... Auntie Jean was talking about visiting churches and and finding that she's the only Aboriginal lady there. Also, that the uh, Bible colleges are for Aboriginal people. I've I've had a good experience with uh, in our church and people from Maranatha College in WA who bring Aboriginal people and elders from all around Australia and. Uh, they go through this Bible college and then they come and visit churches and we've been so blessed at Northam here in WA that uh, at our church, Maranatha College will come and run our church service and we um, we engage with beautiful Aboriginal people who give their testimony and uh, we, we're just so privileged to call them brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ and also... We have a, an Aboriginal family in our church here, and they are well happy to. We just call them brothers and sisters. They call us auntie and uncle, and I know that they are suffering for their walk with Christ in this community. How their children are uh, turned upon at high school, which is just so sad. And they, all they want to do is walk in the Christian way, and they are suffering for it. But uh, Peter, I, I want to thank you God. for calling in and bringing these comments. I think these are very important mm. comments. And uh, we're running short of time, but I'm going to cut you short there because you're reflecting uh, something which is, I guess, uh, even part of what you might hope comes from a conversation like this. The thought that there might be black and white together who name the name of Christ, who can actually see a a camaraderie, a brotherhood, sisterhood in Christ, united together as one. And perhaps that means, even if there is division in all sorts of areas around race issues in Australia, that that might be something that Christians can play into, that we are not the ones who are bringing division, but we're ones who are bringing a unity. Uh, Auntie Jean, just quickly, uh, because we're running short of time, but you've said your history is our history our history is your history. That's something that as Christian believers, we need to pay particular attention to. Any thoughts here as we, as we close? Well, I think it's important that we all get to know each other as Christians first. And then the Christian churches, the denominations 
will learn about our communities and especially on some of the reserves where a lot of us have lived. One of your staff members just said that he's a friend of my nephew up in Cherbourg, who's a, who's a pastor. And Cherbourg was one of the biggest churches in this country, and they sent out people all over Australia to minister to their own folk. And only recently, about on Christmas Day really, one of our senior members turned 100. And yet a mother-in-law taught me as a little girl there at Cherbourg, it's got a wonderful history, but people don't even know about all of these um, uh, issues or these opportunities that, or the churches that we know about. One of the ladies will be speaking at the weekend down on the Gold Coast. She's looking after uh, the church down at Fingal Point. If anybody wants to go to an Aboriginal church, go there. Um, her husband only passed away last year. And we've got these Aboriginal women whose husbands have passed away, but they're running the Aboriginal churches. And I think that's tremendous. And we need to be praying and thinking and supporting Aboriginal ministries. Well, let's finish our conversation. Coming back to Brooke here. Brooke, how will people connect with yourself and with Auntie Jean? How do I find in my community where there is an Aboriginal church? What sort of ways can listeners to our conversation today actually take a step forward, maybe be a bit proactive and uh, visit an Aboriginal church or invite an Aboriginal leader to speak at their church or their women's group or their men's group? How do we connect with you? Yeah, so uh, it's a very grassroots way of connecting. I have my own website, brookprentice.com. Um, uh, please be really considerate. It's hard to be an Aboriginal Christian leader in, in this country. But if you're looking for an Aboriginal speaker, get in touch with me and I can let Auntie Jean know. Um, if your church is interested in running, uh, having me, uh, hosting me to run the listening and responding to the statement from the heart workshop, particularly if you've got a lot of people who are confused about the referendum or thinking about a no vote to the referendum or a yes vote, the diversity of it, uh, but actually come and hear from an Aboriginal Christian leader. Um, it doesn't really cost anything, just the use of your property and your time to maybe put on a cup of tea and some lunch and um, we spend a couple of hours together in in conversation. So uh, also change the heart, Auntie Jean's call to our nation to prayer. You can sign up on the website there, changetheheart.com.au. And keep an eye out for something called the Grass Tree Gathering. Auntie Jean started it uh, 11 years ago now, a network of over 200 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders all connected up with each other. And we're, we're actively praying and discerning about another gathering uh, late this year or early next year. And if people can keep praying, um, just that call, call to prayer to listening. And as we approach a referendum, my appeal to everyone is to approach it with love and compassion. Let those be our guiding principles in every conversation and um, every interaction. Well, I want to thank the two of you for joining us today and sharing your heart with us. And I think it's been an enlightening conversation. Uh, people who might never have stopped uh, to pause and listen into the heartbeat of Christian Aboriginal leaders, Auntie Jean Phillips and Brooke Prentice. In case you missed those connecting points, uh, Brooke has a website, brookprentice.com, and uh, she's open to your invitation to address 
a workshop on responding to the statement from the heart. You can also you can visit changetheheart.com.au and keep your eye out for the grass tree gathering. And no doubt we'll be talking about that in some time into the near future because there's another one planned a little later on, uh, perhaps this year. Uh, Auntie Jean and Brooke, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Just want to say that I run a dinner and it's been going for 30 years at St Andrew's Anglican Church, bringing Christians together, get to know us, and then we don't charge in, but they leave a plate at the door and they give, and that money is giving into Aboriginal ministries. And look, people are coming and coming. So I have a soup night. It's coming up after Easter, a dinner and a Christian uh, Christmas gathering. And that's bringing us together as Christians, and we want to see more of that. And that'll be happening in southeast Queensland. Yes. Uh, changetheheart.com.au to get some more details about how to connect there. Thank you so much, ladies. We'll get together another day and we'll talk some yes. more. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.